you know, given the fact that, you know, the military is, is designed by nature to teach you to, you know, especially like the combat arms, like it's the, the point of it is teaching you to to unlock parts of your psyche and your personality that most people don't access. AKA I now I'm going to go kill that person. Right. I'm going to look in the eyes when I do it. That opens up a lot of other doors that we don't really like to talk about. Mm. That was an active duty U.S. Marine, and this is the Brendan Carr Podcast. Hey, everybody. My name is Brendan Carr. I'm a podcast host and a veteran of the United States Navy. And in this episode, I'm talking with an active duty United States Marine who has been struggling with pornography addiction for the last several years. We're going to talk about his own experience, his suggestions for others, and why he thinks that this is something that is so prevalent in the military. If you're someone who already has their mind made up about pornography, you think it's no big deal, you think that it doesn't affect people's lives, then this episode isn't for you. I suggest you tune in next week, and I'm sure there'll be something that you'll find more interesting. But if you're someone who's interested, who's open-minded, and wants to know more about this topic, then this one's for you. What got you into it in the first place? Oh, great question. So when I was younger, um, about four years ago, I was dating this uh, wonderful gal. And uh, I told her about three months in, we were dating. It's like, mm-hmm. look, I, I got to be honest with you. I have this problem. Mm-hmm. And back then the problem wasn't so serious. It was more just like I'd gotten back from deployment and I'd masturbated and looked at pornography, you know, probably half a dozen, maybe, maybe a dozen times over mm-hmm. the, the course of the year I was there, um, in Afghanistan. And, um, <clears throat> but it gotten a little bit worse since I gotten back. Mm-hmm. And so I just, you know, I set her down. I was like, hey, look, this problem I got. Here's my, you know, here's how long I've been struggling with it. I, I think I first looked at porn when I was like 15 or something like that. So pretty standard, yeah. you know, pretty standard age. And uh, it turns out her dad was, you know, had been addicted to porn for like 35 years yeah. in her family's marriage. I didn't really figure, I didn't really know this until she got to, she got to know me a little better. And so she started opening up mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, that was interesting, interesting conversation. turns out her dad like cheated on her mom and just all kinds of crazy and didn't, wasn't involved in the kids' lives. I mean, a lot oh, of it was boy. because of this pornography stuff. So I didn't, when I told her, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, oh, she's actually like really cool about this. Like I, I was expecting a big, a big drawn out scene, mm-hmm. but, uh, she was, you know, she had been around it enough to, so that it wasn't a surprise. I think... My guess is she pretty much suspected. She was like, he's a guy in his 20s in the military. He's probably looked at it or like, yeah. you know, has looked at porn or like done masturbation a lot too. So yeah. I don't think there was a lot of surprises there. But I did realize after we'd been dating for nine months and I started ring shopping, I was like, like, it's kept on coming up. Uh. And then we finally had a, like a real conversation about it because I just, I realized that this was not, as as minor of an issue as I thought it would be. And, you know, we had those conversations and I realized this is, uh, um, this is a bigger deal than I thought. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, that, that was, that was pretty much that. That's how it started. Yeah. And you said that you thought that she 
had suspected that you were using pornography because you're a dude, you're in your 20s, and you're in the military. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. What is it about being in the military that would make people think that even? It, it would seem, you know, you talk about <coughs> a, a culture that's built on honor, for example, and yet people assume that people in the military, um, you know, do all kinds of things that would not be consistent with that. Why? Why? Why the military assumption? Well, because it's largely true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, all, uh, all this stuff is endemic. I, you know, I've, I was raised Catholic, yeah. am Catholic still. Yeah, you know, I, I try to practice the faith as best I can. But even me, like, it's all the the tropes of masturbates, pornography, drinks too much, you know, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's all true. Mm-hmm. And in spades, and and I know that you know talking with guys who even you know, even have been in the military for a while, have been married for a long time, et cetera. These are still things they deal with. And yeah. I think there's a lot of, lot that goes into it. Um, for a lot of guys, it's a release from just the stress of military life. For a lot of guys who deploy, it's just something to take your mind off the, the boredom and the stress. Mm. Um, that's a small percentage of it. Of the guys that are, you know, like deployed in like like actual combat zones, um, but there's also just the, you know, going back to the culture piece you were talking about, just, you know, sex is, is something to do on the weekends and it's exciting and it's it's uh it brings momentary relief from the, the suck that is you know most military <laughs> life you know if you're a junior enlisted you know. Soldier, Marine, Airman, you know, Coasty, Sailor. Life isn't too great, so it's a way to kind of get your mind off that, combined with drinking. A um, lot of lot of young guys, first time that they're on their own with a paycheck, right? With relatively little self control, surrounded by other guys with no self control, and it just kind of it's it's a culture that kind of builds on itself, and I think that, you know it's also representative of where these guys come from too, where, you know, if call if the, the wider culture is that, you know, sex is good, there's no limits to it. And that masturbation and pornography are, are how you grow your sexual prowess or you, how you grow your, your understanding, mm. teach yourself how to have sex, mm. then, you know, that's, that's, there's no inherent, um, controls in the military that are going to, you know, moderate that right. really besides, you know, whatever faith you bring to it and whatever, you know, interpretation you have of the core values of whatever service you're in, mm-hmm. be it the, be it the Marine Corps, the Navy, the army or the Coast Guard yeah, and yeah. the Air Force. It seems to sort of perpetuate too, like down through the ranks. It seems, I, I know when I joined the Navy, like if, if I saw someone one rank above me doing something, I thought that's a good thing to do. Like whatever it was, I want to do that. I want people to think that I do that. I want to look cool. I want to look like I belong here. And then when I got through training and I got to my first unit, I was really shocked at how pornography was something that was openly talked about by the guys who were relatively senior. Mm-hmm. And they would say it like it was very natural. This was officers enlisted, you know, pretty high up. And it seemed that for the new guys who came in, then they would talk about it too because they wanted to fit in. Why do you think it is that it, it seems to continue to be passed down hmm. or have Great you seen question. anything like that? So I think that there's, there's, 
it goes two ways. And I think that the the concept of pornography being passed down is mm-hmm. a relatively recent phenomenon because pornography is it hasn't been mainstream for I think even in the military. It hasn't been mainstream for more than about fifteen years. Okay. Guess, since since the internet really hit big. Mm-hmm. Obviously in you know, in the military like we've had, you know, dirty mags since the time that, you know, photographs could be taken. Right. Right. Like stills. But I think that really easily accessible videos where it's much more interactive and there's action versus just visuals mm-hmm. has been a huge part of why it's exploded in yeah. the general culture as well as in the uh, as well as in the military and i think that the the military has all has has long used sex and the related trappings pornography masturbation as a complement to violence and hmm. as a um, how, how do we say this as a um, release but also a a uh, something that that gives you the same kind of um, rush mm. as violence so it's sort of it's sort of if if I'm if I'm a man because I kill people or if I'm a man because I engage in violence then something that's very similar that that gives me the same rush and the same guilt and the same you know feelings of pleasure uh, then that must also be part of what it means to be a man, mm. which is what sex does and what pornography does and what, you know, masturbation does and all that kind of good stuff. And so um, the pornography tying into that is basically like gasoline on the fire, where yeah. now it's just, it's a lot easier to get the content. And it's, it's a hell of a lot easier to get the high, you know, with your phone, you know, mm-hmm. and 4G data anywhere you know, even, even well deployed. Oh my gosh. I mean, we were talking earlier about gate traffic in Norfolk, Virginia, and I would have guys in my unit who would come in from like one of those days when you wait an hour in the, uh-huh. in the traffic uh-huh. and they talk about what they were doing while they were killing time. And guys would say like, I was watching porn on my phone. That's what they were doing in the traffic. In line. In, in the car lineup. Wow. I don't make this up. That is, that is something I, I have never It's heard so that. accessible. Oh yeah. Wow. And I think, I think the, you know, it's, you know, you talked earlier about example and like the older, the older generation leaders mm-hmm. passing that on is something which is good to do. There's also a, a aspect where as a leader, you have to try to relate to your guys. And I think yeah. a lot of times guys take like senior leaders or mid-grade leaders, they're like, hey, what can I relate to my guys on? We can drink, you know, drinking, pornography, sex, um, you know things of that that i mean that's you know that's that's pretty much it i guess but that's they're very easy to relate to because that's that's what guys are thinking about yeah drinking and sex Mm -hmm. right and everything associated with that so in as regards to you know older leaders encouraging their their sailors marines soldiers to do that stuff i think it's definitely a very much of a two-way street where that's what your your junior guys are already doing yeah so as a leader trying to relate to them and trying to be trying to humanize yourself to them you're gonna you're gonna talk about and you're gonna relate things to things they understand because right. that's, that's where they're at. Right. So you're gonna try to, you know, make yourself understood and heard at their level. Right. So. Yeah, and and like as someone who was a junior officer in the Navy, like I remember wanting to feel like the guys could relate to me like that. Mm-hmm. Like, if, you know, around things like working out. If there was a group PT, I was gonna be there. Yep. Even if it wasn't required of me or other officers wouldn't go, it was like, well, this is a chance to be around these guys in a way where I'm 
part of the group or where they see me in a more human way. And this is a good opportunity to do that. And, you know, if I can show off, if it's something I'm going to be good at, like I was at times insecure when I was new there and I wanted them to know, like, I'm fit. I'm like you. I'll put myself out there. I'll try hard. So this, yeah, I can see how it's one more way, one more path to that, that people try to fit in. Yep. Yep. You know, the old safety brief mechanism, weekend safety brief of, you know, don't add to this population. Don't subtract from the population <laughs> this weekend. Don't get it. Don't get a DUI. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one quite like that. It must be a Marine Corps uh, thing. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm probably screwing up the. the I like it. But uh, I like yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah. you know the old uh you know so yeah i think that's yeah at my unit we had we had an incident that got everybody talking about both sides of the pornography issue i don't i don't know if i told you about this this might have been while you were away on a deployment but we had um we had some civilians who worked with us mm-hmm. and they had a wi-fi network mm-hmm. and then one day one of them got a letter that there had been large volumes of copyrighted illegal pornography <laughs> downloaded through their network. I didn't tell you about this. No, you didn't. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a huge to do because nobody would fess up to it. Uh-huh. Nobody would say, oh, that was me. But like this, this was a big problem and it was putting this civilian group's whole work in <clears> jeopardy <throat> too, because it was, it was coming to them and they had been so generous as to say like, Hey, we work together. If you guys want to use our Wi-Fi, that's cool. And um, and so, like, we were, as, like, the officers, we were getting together, and we were like, first of all, okay, was this any of us? And uh, nobody said it was. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, <coughs> what do we do? And we, you know, we tried working through the chain of command and, like, asking, like, you know, the chiefs to try and figure it out. And nobody fessed up. And, and in the end, blaming or figuring out who did it wasn't actually going to do much anyway. Except to like tell that person like, hey, you need to stop or to make an example of them or something. And so what ended up being the conclusion was that we would have a day where everybody would have to give a presentation about something related to pornography. Mm. And the things that we got were really interesting. There were guys who were making points about why it wasn't good or why it wasn't healthy or the evolution of it. Like you explained, like Mm -hmm. it's come from still images to now where we have, you know, infinite terabytes of data coming through the internet all the time so much of its video so much of its pornographic video and i wonder now what what sides of this are you hearing what's interesting to you as far as you know what's good for you what's bad for you about it okay um well first i mean first of all there's there's two levels you can talk about this on the first one is a religious level and mm-hmm. i think that most religions would categorically say that anything that takes you sexually away from marriage or your spouse or or something of that nature is probably not going to be good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's interesting on the natural level where you start talking about what does it do to your brain chemistry? Yeah. How does it affect your sexual drive? How does it affect the way that you look at women? How does it affect the way that you that you think about women? Not just like physically look at them, but like actually like, what is a woman to me? You know, mm. there's a lot of research and studies out there that show that it has a very similar effect to certain type of drug addictions on the way that it, it you know it 
spikes your brain's um, access to dopamine, endorphins, adrenaline through, you know, essentially acting as gasoline on the fire by visually representing sexual acts, visually and an auditory rep- representing mm-hmm. sexual acts to complement your masturbation. And essentially you are, you are undergoing, you know, multiple exponentially more times of orgasms than, than the human sexual system was originally designed to, to undergo mm-hmm. because you can masturbate, you know, five, six, seven times a day. And generally, you know, that that's the human sexual uh, system is not capable of handling that without becoming addicted to it mm. because of the massive amounts of, of, you know, natural hormones and, and drugs that you're that your brain and your body releases upon the each time you, you have an orgasm right. with with masturbation and or with pornography. So it it's interesting because eventually, you know, you if you can if every, you know, 30 seconds I can flip from one, you know, perfectly airbrushed, you know, yeah. lady, you know, with perfect a perfect body, you know, silicon tits, you know, breast enhancements, all that kind of good stuff, you know, perfect body, perfect face, young 20 somethings who's quote unquote perfectly willing and just is ready for whatever, you know, stuff that's going to happen to her, Mm -hmm. you know, the the other, or she, that she's going to be forced to do. Uh, every 30 seconds I can see the most beautiful woman in the world doing every conceivable sexual act with no, you know, concept of, of, with, with no, um, how would I say this? With no, um, like needs of her own, like she's just doing it for the viewer and for yeah. the guy that she's having the sex with. It spoils you because now it becomes about what what's in it for me, mm. and it ignores the spiritual aspect of it because the woman has no nothing. She has no object in the video besides pleasing you, and so then you you lose the sense of like the fact that it's it's a mutual gift instead of a like a give me give me give me kind of idea yeah and i think the other thing too is that the more you do it the deeper that the neural pathways that are created by this massive overflow of these you know these endorphins and dopamine and and adrenaline cocktail that is not that your brain can't handle at the amounts that people most people use it today it creates the desire to do it in real life, right? Mm. So a lot of times people use this pornography, A, they learn about sex from pornography, but also they learn, they they wanna act out some of the, the kinkier stuff they see mm. online yeah. in real life, right? right? So in the worst cases, that'll lead us to, you know, some deviance, <laughs> interesting sexual practices, or, you know, in rare cases to rape, but that's, yeah. you know, that's not the norm, but what it does do is it, it creates the expectation that the first time I go out and have sex, right, it's all about me. Mm. It's all about my desire. It's all about my visuals. Mm. It's about me being pleasured and that my partner doesn't need to, you know, doesn't have any desires and mm. they're just doing it for me. Right. So I think that, you know, what comes from that is just, you know, in my own life, what has come from that is like, I will look at a woman and I will see, forgive my French, I'll see tits, ass, and face, and then 
you know, all the other curves. And then eventually I'll get around to like knowing, getting her personality down. Mm. Right. And so you prejudge people, you, you, you look at them differently. You look at them as objects as opposed to intellectual beings who have, you know, a free will and a, an intellect mm-hmm. who are equal to you. And you make the mistake of, you know, looking at them only as things that you can use for your own sexual pleasure. Either by if you if you're able to, you know, to get them into bed to mm. be selfish right, right. with your sex, or by um, you know just using them as as a mental springboard for further. Uh, masturbation pornography or just you know imagining what sex would look like with them yeah wow so yeah it's a it's an interesting thing i think you know being in the military that the mill kind of tie it back into the military aspect of it you know given the fact that you know the military is is designed by nature to teach you to you know especially like the combat arms like it's the, f- the point of it is teaching you to, to unlock parts of your psyche and your personality that most people don't access, yeah. a.k.a. I now I'm going to go kill that person. Right. And I'm going to look in the eyes when I do it. That opens up a lot of other doors that we don't really like to talk about. Mm. And one of those is the, um, is the perversions of sex and the perversions of, of manliness that make sexual promiscuity not just a a sanctioned thing but a, a positive good right for those who are you know those who are supposed to be the warriors right yeah it's often praised mm-hmm. like if yeah if, if somebody is really promiscuous says, oh he's a stud yep like, exactly. oh he gets around like that's yep. that's said is a good thing yep, about because it shows that he's conquering something mm. he is being he's being proactive in in seizing and conquering and and you know taking something for himself and while you're, you know, the sexual act doesn't kill someone, it's, it's a, it's a conquest. That's mm. why they call it sexual conquest. And so that same part of the soul, I think, is what drives, you know, somebody to continue in the offensive when his buddies are dead and he's, you know, he's tired, cold, wet, hungry, hasn't slept for five days, is the same part of human nature that, you know, allows you to have an all night, you know, get, you know, get sloshed. And then, you know, have, you know, sexual conquests every weekend or something like that. I'm not really putting it too well, but that's, I think you get the point I'm trying to make. I, I get to make. it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And you like, it's a drive. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a super strong drive. It's praised. And then it sounds like what you're saying is that even if you put up someone in a situation where normally they'd go to bed, like you've been up late drinking, then if you have this new drive introduced, you meet a nice girl who's interesting or something and you think, oh, she's hot. Then all of a sudden, you know, I could stay up another hour. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep going. Mm-hmm. Let's see where this night takes me. That's it. I think that's what you're saying is that we have this really strong drive. Yeah. Yeah. And then to your point with pornography and masturbation, you talk about it as how it's, you know, making these neural pathways stronger and stronger. <clears throat> You've got such a strong reward at the end of that habit loop. I mean, if you, if you think of a habit as you know, something that sets you up, the action, and then the reward at the end. To have a reward like an orgasm that we're so, as humans, like so strongly wired for, how do you overcome that? If that if that becomes your habit loop, how do you get past that? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, so, 
you know, in full uh, disclosure, I, I haven't figured out how to overcome it. Yeah. I know <clears throat> I've tried, you know, different techniques at different times. Probably the most successful has just been, you know, accountability. But okay. it, can't, it can't just be accountability because a lot of times what ends up happening is that it's it's something that's, you know, trying to address that you're that you're using pornography to address some kind of deeper hurt or mm-hmm. need or, you know, a way to relieve stress, a way to pass the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, being in, the, in a military culture that that glorifies sexual promiscuity. Mm-hmm. makes it a lot easier to to find excuses for it but oftentimes what to, in order to fully get rid of it there's deeper issues at play yeah you know say someone you know gets you know gets fucked up on deployment right and sex and and pornography is a way to ease the pain by fucked up you mean drinking too much or no 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 wounded? so like like say say a guy you know he he has a like a super connect deployment, he loses friends. He has oh, to kill people. Okay, okay, he comes back and he he's different because he's had to experience things and do things that that aren't normal for human beings to do. Maybe in that case, masturbation and pornography and then mm. a lot of sex become a way to to um, to overcome that or at least kind of put the pain in the background, mm. right? Other case, maybe somebody has an unresolved family issue from when he was a kid, right? Mm. Daddy issues, mommy issues, whatever it is. Then joining a institution like the military where sex is a really good way to just kind of feel good and, and pass the time, drink a lot. Mm-hmm. That becomes his coping mechanism because it's like, well, everybody else is doing it. So, you know, why not? I'll, I'll, I'll jump right in. Right. Um, there's a hundred different things that it could yeah. be. <clears throat> and a lot of times in order to really cure it starts with recognizing that, that most of the time it is a symptom using pornography and masturbating is a symptom of something deeper. So do you have to attack that root cause? Yeah. Right. As regards to just stopping pornography and masturbation, it's not an easy process. It, in fact, it's one of those things where, you can press the pause button, but you're going to relapse as you try to recover. Very similar to like a alcohol addiction or really any addiction because that's what it is. It's an addiction. And so persistence, humility, accountability partners is huge. Um, and then just, you know, prayer to whatever God you believe in. Mm. Um, but I can't stress again how much important accountability is. But again, a lot of times it's going to be seeking help for whatever the deeper issue is. Yeah. Which you may not even know until you start digging. Right. So how... I, I want to talk about the accountability thing in a bit because, mm-hmm. I like, I don't think I don't think that's something that people are talking about. You know, people are talking about ways to make little changes to the habits <coughs> or getting a browser blocker or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's going to be really big. But first, how, how do you address those deeper issues? Like... You, you think you you talk to someone or you spend some time in nature and kind of reflect for yourself a bit? Uh, great question. I think the all of the above uh-huh. where, you know, if you're religious, that means you pray more. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know people, you know, you can't you can't pray the pray the you know, pray pornography away. And I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. But what it what I am saying is that it starts with 
whatever your belief system is, mm-hmm. becoming really more serious and more connected with that. So if you know if, if you if you do pray, if you have a God you pray to, be re, re- kindle that relationship. Okay. Right? Why am I? You know what? What about this? You know, is wrong? You know, is it immoral? And if it's immoral, then I have a reason now, based on my belief system, to stop whatever this thing is. Um, the next avenue is definitely uh, mental health counseling, mental health counseling. Mm-hmm. So you know, psychiatry, psychiatrists, and psychology um, to help diagnose whatever the deeper trend is. Um, a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, so if you're in the military and that's something that you think about, then, you know, go to a civilian, find a, find a friendly civilian who can do pro pro bono work for the military to tell treat PTSD. Right. Yes. And I would add, if anybody is listening, there's military one source. That's yep. a, that's a great place to start. I think they'll do 12 free sessions for yep. a lot of things. Yep. And that way it's outside of the, outside of the normal, it's outside of the chain of commands. You're confidential. You, it's not reported, right? And so you can kind of sideswipe a lot of the the you know the stigmas of being like, oh hey, I go to the, I go see a shrink. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done that in the past. I've I've gone to talk to a psychologist about this particular problem in the past for mm-hmm. a little while. Um, yeah, and I, I would add, I've also I used military one source after a car accident. Yep. I was having a really hard time like getting back in the car. And I, I went there 12 sessions. It's not on any record or anything. Now it's on the record, but that's okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, VA, right? No, I mean, just you and me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and another another version of that, which is slightly less uh, stigmatized, is just telling people about it. Okay. Honesty. Okay. I found that that's, that's a huge one. So being a trusted confidant, a romantic partner, a parent, a sibling, mm-hmm. a friend, a coworker, somebody, a priest, mm-hmm. a rabbi, whatever, whatever again, denomination you are, that's a huge first step mm-hmm. is just telling someone mm-hmm. because it, it, it's kind of unburdening yourself yeah. of that, of that guilt that you hold inside. And then you'll very quickly realize that it's a very common problem and that people all over you know, not just military, but civilians and, you know, everybody you know, around the world is, is struggling with this same problem. Mm-hmm. In fact, funny story, when they uh, killed Osama bin Laden eight years ago today, I think, if I remember correctly, they, found, yeah. they found all kinds of pornography. Like, most of his computer was porn huh. because that was just what he did. And he was, the, you know, he's one of the most... You know, fundamentalist zealots of the 20th century mm-hmm. and the early 21st century, but still he had a, he had a pornography problem. Mm-hmm. Even though he was, you know, he was about de- as devout in his particular faith as you could be, and uh, you know, that's a it's a very common thing in, in all, you know, civilizations, peoples, and faith traditions. So accountability. Um, going back to what you were talking about before, accountability is huge because really, it's like anything in the military it's all about assembling a team because individuals are much more susceptible and it's a lot harder to achieve a mission without having buddy pairs without having a team yeah you know whatever whatever that team looks like same concept applies in the 
uh, pornography addiction world where it's overwhelming to try to beat something like this cold turkey. And then honestly, it's, it's depending upon how addicted you are, it's probably impossible. But having someone who has gone through the same struggle or is going through the same struggle is a huge force multiplier. Mm. And it makes it a collective effort and a common goal, right? So it's not so much just, I'm suffering this thing, I have to beat this thing myself, and I'm the only one going through this. It's, we have a common problem that we are attempting Mm. to solve overcome get over however you want to say it and that sense of teamwork cannot be overestimated in how important it is to 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 uh motivate yourself hold yourself accountable and to strive to overcome your addiction to masturbation pornography and then just sex and you know premarital sex in general mm-hmm. yeah and that, that speaks to so many drives that people have, too, when you talk about just being able to get together with people, get something off your chest, or if, you know, if you're doing it with a group of guys, then you, you've got a sense of brotherhood for a change, which you might not feel otherwise. You might feel kind of isolated or something. That's why people turn to things. It, it can hit on so many different levels, I think, to get into a, a, an accountability situation or something like that. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it, it, it's it shows you in a, in a fundamental level, like you truly aren't alone. Yeah. And I think that a, a lot of folks, um, I think it's big with a lot of my, you know, friends who've gotten out of the military. Like one of the big things they miss is like a sense of purpose, teamwork, people striving towards a common goal. Mm-hmm. And by having accountability partners, you're, you're taking the best aspects of, of the profession that we're in and applying that to a moral problem and a, a psychological problem and a chemical problem within your, within your, your brain, and your life. And, you know, recreating that sense of camaraderie, teamwork and striving towards that common goal to help each other mm. become better men mm. and women, mostly men. Yeah. Well, should we, should we talk about women? We could. I think that's fine. Okay. Yeah, but do, do you think this is, I guess, I, I'm curious about the numbers, too. Like, what percentage of the military, or let's say the Marine Corps, do you think is using pornography regularly? Oh, uh, boy, lots. There's no, if you, any official polls, unless they're anonymous, even if they are anonymous, are probably, you know, very much on the low end. So I would say most you know definitely the majority 90 yeah. percent, maybe yeah something like that yeah I, I believe it i i did some research like looking on um the american psychological association's website mm-hmm. they didn't have any clear understanding on their numbers either but they were thinking 50 to 99 percent. those were the numbers that they were pulling from different studies and things closer to 99 for sure um, and because you know 85 percent of the military is is on their first enlistment in their first four years 85% of the military is in their first four years? This is the Marine Corps, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so... Young guys. Young guys. All the stuff we already talked about with the culture, the where they're coming from, what they're, what stays they're at physically, mentally, emotionally, and morally in their lives, mm-hmm. and they're in this environment of, of, you know, violence and, you know, trying to overcome their 
<clears throat> their normal impulses. I mean, that's it's essentially a a custom built setup for uh, you know use of pornography, used to you know masturbation and just having sex. You know, because mm-hmm. well, the first job they've had, the first time outside the home, etc. Right. All those things you mentioned, having money for a change, yeah. mm-hmm. so much when you're when you're 18. Oh yeah. To all of a sudden have all that. Yep. Yeah. What else do you think is important for people to know? Um, just it, depending upon where you are personally with this, you may either be still trying to learn about, about it because you're interested in the science aspect of it, of whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Mm. You may be deeply religious and ashamed of your addiction. You may consider this pornography or masturbation to be a positive good of your sexual life to teach you how to be, uh, you know, more, um, sexually pleasing to your partner or to have better sex. I think regardless of where you are with pornography, I would challenge you to keep on the path of trying to understand what it is and what its effects are, you know, starting with the science and then seeing where that fits in with your moral belief system, right? And your sort of sense of what of what is right and what is wrong. Um, personally, of course, I think I've made it pretty clear that I consider it to be both a physical and a moral evil, but I understand very clearly that not everybody does think that. Yeah. And so that's why, as with anything, I would I would just offer to continue to research, continue to have an open mind to the positives or the negatives of it, depending upon, uh, you know, what you continue to understand. And as you become more educated on it, you know, have that conversation with your significant other. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes you'd be surprised about how divergent those views can be. Um, you know, I, from personal experience, I know I, uh, a couple years ago, I met the woman that if I hadn't told her would probably be my, be my wife right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it ended up being the decision that she made to not continue our, our relationship um, at a very early stage because of my, my honesty. And so, you know, I can tell you right now, my policy has always been to just be upfront and honest about where, I, where I'm at with this stuff and where I struggle with it. And it's gotten me many times. It'll be, it'll be the second date, and it'll be they'll be like, oh, well, hey, thank you for asking me out, but I can't do that. I can't handle that. And so I think it's better to just have those honest conversations and have the openness to be open to changing your mind, uh, regardless of where you're at on the topic. Yeah. Have you? Are you familiar with Fight the New Drug? Have you, have you looked on their website before, articles and things that they have? I have. It's been a little while, but yeah. yes. So they, they always have like good peer-reviewed research and things. And I've, I found looking in there all kinds of stuff that I hadn't even thought about. One thing they made a great point about, and they showed some, some real evidence to back it up, is that pornography use is linked to sex trafficking in the world because a lot of these videos, especially child pornography and things, are children who are sex trafficked. And then they're taken into prostitution or pornography or both. And that's feeding sort of the demand for sex trafficking by using pornography. Have you seen anything else like that? Absolutely. So, you know, in the military, prostitution is very illegal. But, you know, anecdotally, 
mm-hmm. it's very common, mm-hmm. very common that uh, military members will, you know, engage in that kind of activity. Um, so there's two reasons why it's important. The first one you touched on was the women in the sex videos are sometimes coerced, sometimes, uh, for lack of better options and sometimes, you know, drugged up to yeah. where it becomes a way to continue a particular lifestyle. But I think the other one that's, that's, maybe less thought of and less talked about is that if I see something enough times in a sex video, that's just, you know, let's say it's a BDSM um, move or uh, something kinky or something, you know, kind of weird that you want to try. It's a lot easier to pay someone a couple hundred bucks to just have your way with them Mm. than it is to have a steady romantic partner who may not be into all that stuff. Right. Right. And it's a lot quicker and cheaper in the long run to just pay someone to work for you by allowing you to experiment and feel these things and do these things that you see in, in, in pornography. And that, I think there's a, there's a direct link to how people build their own sexual repertoire, so to speak, mm-hmm. with prostitution yeah. to experiment and then, and then further with, you know, you know, dating apps like Tinder where it's very easy to have a one night stand to just practice some of this stuff. So I think in both cases it, it definitely builds on itself with regards to actually trying to do the things that you see mm-hmm. and have masturbated to. Mm-hmm. And what, what have you heard about this being related to erectile dysfunction? Is there a connection between porn and erectile dysfunction? Going back to the point where your sexual system is only designed to take so much sex and so much endorphins and and cocktail uh, adrenal cocktails the more you do it the more is required to achieve erection and orgasm the m- uh, the more, more stimulation the yeah. more porn the more the more porn you look at the more masturbation you have the more stimulation is required okay so a lot of times seeing a naked woman or a naked man if you're a woman listening to this podcast is not enough because they haven't done something they haven't perform sexual acts here they haven't they don't have a perfect body or you know whatever it is and so there's it just takes more to 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 become sexually aroused especially for men because you're so visual Mm -hmm. um and in some cases it's it's you've overused your your hardware so to speak yeah yeah i remember the first time i ever stumbled onto an image like that on the internet i was 14 years old and I was doing <laughs> I was doing research for a project about the immune system from a biology class and I needed an image of barbed wire it's like this is so vivid this memory and so I put into Google image search barbed wire and then there was a picture of a naked woman with a barbed wire tattoo and when I was 14 that just set me off like that I could see this that was so much excitement but now, like with all the images that I see out in culture or that I have seen in the past, I don't think that that would change my day in the same way that it did then. I think there, there's definitely been a desensitization over the years that I, that just, it's not coming back in the same way. I mean, same. I mean, I could, I could, when I was 15, I could Google, you know, porn or sex or something like that, get a, you know, a suggestive Playboy cover. Or right. a Playboy, you know, uh, you know, spread or whatever, 
and I'd, it would just set me off. I'd be, you know, satisfied for, for days. Right. But now, you know, that it's, it's not even a glitch in the radar. Like I can, I can look at that and not even be aroused. Mm. So I, I agree. Yeah. Desensitization, especially like I said, with the, the, uh, advent of the internet and the ability to pull up video on demand, like high quality video on demand, not without even pay for it. You know, you can, you can access, you know, hundreds and thousands of videos, quality videos without even paying for them. Oh, for, yeah, for free. Anything, Mm -hmm. anything you could think of. Absolutely. But in general, my recommendation is start with programs like fight the new drug that educates you on the science first and then allow the religion and the morality to catch up later. Hmm. Because a lot of times what people do is they'll approach it like, I am an evil person because I do X, Y, and Z. Right. And then they try to attack it from that angle with ignoring the biological and the scientific effects of pornography, masturbation, and frequent sex on the body and the mind and the, the, uh, the, the brain. And they are continually frustrated because they they continually fall back in the same patterns. Mm-hmm. But if you approach it from the scientific viewpoint, where you understand and become to learn that it, that it, in large enough doses, it leads to addiction, sex addiction, porn addiction, masturbation, etc., then that will much more clearly explain and contextualize the moral. Uh, impact that it has on your life and whatever belief system you have. So along those lines, you know, there's a there's a a, a, a pretty wide um, challenge. I think it originated on Reddit, but uh, I don't know where it is now. Called the No Fap Challenge, which is essentially you know 30 days no masturbation, and then see how you feel, and then post about hey I've I've been able to do this this and this, and I've been you know I feel better about myself or I have less, you know, of this problem now or I have better sex with my partner. Mm-hmm. Fight the new drug, great resource. Um, definitely, f- you know, has a religious overtone, but it's it's very scientific, science, scientifically based. Um, and then um, there are several other services out there which I don't have off, off the top of my head yeah. that would allow you, again, to get that scientific baseline of what the effect on the body and the brain are, and then allow that to lead you to moral conclusions about why something is wrong mm-hmm. and how you can attack it in a more, in an effective manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the NoFap thing, you, you're saying not something that you're particularly familiar with, and I'm not totally either, but I watch a ton of YouTube and I've seen people make videos about how they'll do the NoFap challenge and they say that like, it changes their lives. Like people go 90 days. For those who don't know what NoFap is, it's FAP is slang for masturbation. So no masturbation. People go 90 days without masturbation and they say it changes their lives. They have new energy. They feel stronger. They say it makes massive improvements in their personal sex with an actual human being. Like just all of that changed. And so I think that would probably be another thing worth checking out for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I would yeah. very much agree with that. Yeah. Well, I have one final question for you. If you're talking to a leader who recognizes that there's a lot of pornography issues in their group culture, what would you suggest they do first? Honestly, and this is just from personal experience, Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't. Okay. Okay. 
And and there's a couple reasons for that. The first reason is that I don't think that any junior enlisted from any branch of service would long listen to a leader who shows up with a Bible in hand and starts telling them about those things that they can't do or shows up with a you know with a lecture on ethics but without establishing personal credibility right? right and so i think the biggest thing is just establishing credibility within the organization proven leadership about the the job the performance the things that you're supposed to be doing you know in regards to your position as leader right leading your your guys and then as that relationship improves inevitably people will ask you Hey, sir, or hey, chief, or hey, Gunny, how are you successful? Mm. You know, how are you, you know, what what do you do to become a better Marine? What do you do to, you know, why are you always doing this? Why are you always reading? Why are you, are you always, you know, doing pull-ups or whatever it is, right, that they see that you're good at and that you're a leader in. And then those conversations, those one-on-one, or maybe small group, but mostly one-on-one conversations open up pathways to do that mentoring and and it's established through just being you know leading by the setting the example by you know showing kindness to those under your charge you know not being the guy who gets drunk at the at the unit picnic things of that nature so that they (laughs) see that there's a certain measure of control right you're not you're not off the chain i think um the one the, the exception to this that i found is that if you, during off hours, lunch, or after work, form a specifically religious group, like a Bible study or something along those lines, those people in your command, if they if they know about it, they will come. And then that allows you to fast track those conversations. Okay. But in the normal course of things, when the majority of people are probably not extremely religious, religious and probably have no problem with sex, pornography, and masturbation, in order to actually have that kind of impact, you have to know someone pretty well yeah. and have demonstrated leadership before you broach those topics. Mm. Excellent. Thanks so much. Fist bump. Cool. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. And if you want to help other people find out about this, the best thing you can do is to share this episode And to mention it in a review, leave a review, especially on iTunes, that's a huge help to getting more traction. And we'll catch you next time.